This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and we are delighted that you've taken the time to watch our telecast today. Likely we have some that are watching today for your very first time. I have people occasionally tell me, Brother Lambert, I was just kind of surfing uh, through the channels and I, I came across your program. Well, if you were surfing the channels and came across the program, we're delighted that you stopped to watch to listen today. We have those that watch getting to know your Bible every time we come on the air. Recently, I was preaching in Michigan, and I had a sweet lady who told me, Brother Lambert, I watch you every time you come on the air, and I know she's watching right now. May God bless you for having a desire to know more about your Bible. Now today on our telecast, our theme is entitled, Building a Road. Building a Road. You may wonder, is there anything in the Bible about building a road? Well, you stay tuned and we'll see. Now on our telecast, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And may I emphasize that this course is free. They have many, many people throughout the world that are studying this Bible course along with us. We want you to have it. Now in order that you might know more about the course and that you might know how to receive the free Bible correspondence course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-711. 5214. In 1 Samuel, the 27th chapter, and in verse 10, in the reading of the King James Version, there is a question that is asked. And the question is asked of David, Whither have you made a road? King Saul had been pursuing David. Saul was extremely envious and jealous of David. And so David is running away from Saul. David knew that if he fled to Gath that Saul likely would stop chasing him and that's exactly what happened. And when he came to Gath, Achish gave David Ziklag as a possession. And so if you'll notice in verses 8 and 9 of that same chapter, 1 Samuel 27, David began to drive the people out. And this is when Achish asked David the question. David would go out into the into Ziklag, and he would drive the people out. Then he would come back to where Achish was, and, and Achish asked him the question, whither have you made a road? If you read that in the 
New King James, it doesn't say, Whither have you made a road? It reads, Where have you gone raiding? In other words, Where, where have you gone today? What's, what territory, territory have you been uh, driving the people out today? But, but I want us to think about that question, about whither have you made a road? And all of us understand the importance of a road. And that's a very novel idea to think about building a road. A road is nothing more than, than a way to travel. A road suggests choice. In other words, we, we choose our roads. Our destiny depends upon the road that we are on. And all of us are going somewhere. There are a number of roads that we build as we go through life. So where have you gone building a road? What kind of a road are you building today? I note first of all that we are building a road for our children. Well, what kind of a road? In Proverbs 22, 6, the Solomon said, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul put it like this, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Friends, where our children go in life depends largely on the start they get at home. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, Moses told the children of Israel this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. The words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. And you shall talk of them when you... Uh, walk by the way when you're sitting in your house, when you're lying down, when you're rising up. They, they shall be for a sign on your hand. They, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And write them upon the post of your house and upon your gates. Those are some mighty, powerful words. And those words are teaching us even now that the future of our children depends upon the road we build for them while they're at home. He tells them in, in that passage, first of all, that, that there's just one God. And we need to teach our children about God. Secondly, he says that, that we are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our being we love God. It'd be very difficult to teach your children to love God unless you love God. And then he, in Moses in those passages says that you're to have the Word of God in your heart. And the Word of God ought to be in the heart of every parent today. You, you make a tremendous mistake 
when you eliminate the Word of God from your life and in the rearing of your children. He said, the words which I commanded you this day shall be in your heart. You'll teach them diligently to your children. And you'll talk about them in just the regular routine of life. When you're walking by the way, we're in your house. When you go to bed at night, when you get up in the morning, the Word of God will be the director of your life. Something is giving you direction in life right now. But, but we need to build the kind of a road that will help our children. And it needs to be one that includes the Word of God. And when our children leave home, when they go through the post of our gates, they ought to be reminded that they're to, to believe in God and to love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their mind. Yes, our children get their start in life at home. And they are depending on us for direction in life. In the 127th Psalm, that the psalmist likened, cho likened children unto arrows. He, he said, as arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. And our children are like arrows in our hands. And we are to give those little arrows in our hands the right direction in life. And friends, we dare not neglect the, our children. In Proverbs 29 and 15, Solomon said that a child left himself brings his mother to shame. And at no time should we ever neglect the welfare of our children. And there are many children today that are going to bring not only their parents to shame, they will bring themselves to shame. They will bring the nation to shame because they have been neglected at home. This very day, there will be children roaming the streets of America without any direction in life because of neglect by father, neglect by their mother. In Genesis, the 18th chapter and verse 19, I want you to listen to what the Lord said about Abraham, for I have known him. And just as the Lord knew Abraham, he knows us and he knows what we do. He said, I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. The thing that he knew about Abraham was that Abraham commanded his children and he commanded his household after him. He said that they may keep the way of the Lord. The thing that he knew about Abraham was that Abraham was commanding his children. He was leading his children. He was commanding his household, leading his household to keep the way of the Lord. He says to do righteousness and justice. In other words, he was teaching them to live right. He was teaching them to treat other people right. 
And then he says that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if that, if that same thing could be said of every father today? That, that I know him, that he's going to command his children, he's going to command his household in the way of the Lord. You see, our children are depending upon us and we dare not neglect them. Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, Choose ye this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But he said, now here's our decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you say that today, Father? Can you say as far as me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord? Yes, indeed, we are building a road today, a road for our children. But we're also building a road for the nation in which we live. The future of any nation depends upon the citizens of that nation. In Psalms, the 32nd chapter and verse 12, the Bible reads like this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Where will we be as a nation 100 years from now? How will we be remembered as a nation? That depends upon the road that we build by the choices that we make. In Psalms 9, 17, the Bible says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all of the nations that forget God. So what kind of a nation will we be a hundred years from now? How will we be remembered as a nation? It takes right living to save a nation. In Proverbs 14 and verse 34, Solomon said, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. If we want to exalt the nation in which we live, then we need to live right. And that means that we must take a stand against social and moral evils that are calculated to undermine the health and the vitality of our nation. Paul in Romans 12 and 9 says, Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. I fear that in the day in which we live, that, that, that an abhorrence of evil is, is no longer in the, the thinking of many people. We, we must take a stand against the evils that will destroy this country. Abhor those evils. We need to take a strong stand in our belief and in our teaching, in our influence upon such things as drugs, alcohol use, pornography, gambling, abortion, a blatant disregard of God's sacred law of marriage. We need to take a stand against greed. And yes, we need to take a stand 
against hatred. That there's so much hatred in our world. So much hatred in America. But Christians are marching to the tune of a different drummer. Many people are turned away from Christianity because they see in the lives of some so-called Christians, that is those who profess to be that, attitudes that are anti-Christ and anti-God attitudes. We have to take a stand and we need to love people, not hate people. That doesn't mean that we approve of all of their actions. God loves us. But I can tell you right now, God doesn't always approve of our actions in spite of the fact that He loves us. He loves us in spite of our sin. We need to love people. We need to love people that may be different than we are. I believe that we are at a crossroads in America. And we need to make a road for the future to ensure domestic tranquility and blessed peace for all. And we ought to be on our knees frequently praying that God will help us to have such a road for America. Also, we are building a road for Christian unity. The church of our Lord began on the day of Pentecost as is recorded in the second chapter of Acts. There are 47 verses in that chapter and those entire 47 verses are a history of how the church began. And it began in the city of Jerusalem but there was a persecution that arose against the church And the church began to spread throughout the world. Jesus has said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. He did not say churches. He said, I'll build my church. That is just one. And of course, historically, we all understand that there was no such thing as a denomination in the first century. Jesus had prayed that Christians be united in John 17, 20 and 21. When he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. It's interesting to me that in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, after Peter had preached to the people and they asked what to do to be saved, and he told them what to do to be saved, and they repented of their sins and they were baptized, that the Bible says all that believed were together. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if all that believe were together? Recently, I was preaching in a certain town, and in making preparation to go, I was given instruction about how to find the building, the church building. And I was told the street to get on and where to turn. And then after I would get on the street where the church building was located, I was told that you will first of all pass three other buildings on the left, three church buildings on the left. And I was given the name of each one of them. And when I tried to find the building that Sunday morning, sure enough, there they were, 
right close to each other. The farthest any one of them was from the other was maybe less than a half a block. And then I found the place where I was to be preaching that morning on the other side of the road, down just maybe a block or so away. Well, I preached that morning, and, and as we were leaving the building, I, everybody that uh, was at worship where I had preached that morning was leaving the building. They had their Bibles in their hands, and they were getting in their automobiles, and they were going on their way. And then on my way back to the motel where I was staying, now I passed those three buildings on my right. And they were leaving their buildings. I passed building number one. And they were leaving. And you know what? They all had Bibles in their hands too. I passed building number two right next door to it. And they had Bibles in their hands too. And then in just a moment, I, I passed the third building. And guess what? They were leaving their building. And they all had Bibles in their hands as well. And I began to think about it. Here are people in a town so close together, all believing in the same Bible, all believing in the same God, all believing in the same Jesus, all believing in the same Holy Spirit, all believing in the same heaven and the same hell. Same Bible, but they're not together. And I began to ask, I wonder why all of these people are not together. Now, when the church began, all that believed were together. Well, I began to think about it, and I realized, well, it's not the fault of the Bible that they're not together. And it's not God's fault they're not together. Because the Bible wants people to, God, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, not division. And what I was uh, seeing going down the street was division, not togetherness. Then I realized it was not the fault of the Holy Spirit they were not together because the Holy Spirit inspired uh, passages like Ephesians 4 and 3 that were to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then I realized it was not Jesus' fault that we were not all together that morning because Jesus prayed that we would all be one, that we would all be together. And I began to ask myself, is there a path that we can get on that will lead to unity, to togetherness? So, so that all who believe in the same God, have the same Bible, believe in the same Jesus, the same heaven, so that all of them can be together. Well, I just suppose some men wanted to play the game of football. And so here you have those that are going to be on the defensive side. And so uh, their coach says, well, you know, now we have our own rules that we're going to play by. Well, then here is the other team 
And their coach says, well, we have our rules that we play by. There's no way in this world that they could ever be together. That the only way they could ever play a game of football together was to go by the rules, all of them go by the same rules governing the playing of football. And then out there on the field, when they violate one of those rules, there's a man that's going to blow a whistle, and they're going to get a penalty for breaking the rules. Now, just suppose that we would all take the Bible as our source of authority. We just take the Bible, not what I think about the Bible, not the way I see the Bible, not the way I feel about the Bible, not my opinion about the Bible. We just take the Bible as our source of authority. Why wouldn't we be together? Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, you don't think we can see everything alike, do you? Well, let me, let's just consult the Apostle Paul and see if we should. And I want to call your attention now to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and I want to read to you verse number 10. Now, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Paul said, I want you to speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. How can we all speak the same thing? We would just have to take the Bible without changing it. When Jesus said, for example, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, we just take it for what it is. That, that's what it says. Somebody says, well now, th that's not the way I see it. No, no, no. You see, that's what brings division. When we begin to inject the way we see it. We need to take the Bible as it is and just believe the Bible without changing it. We can restore first century Christianity in the 21st century. And we can all be together by going back to the Bible. Restore, not reform. 1 Peter 4 and 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. The Bible teaches God wants His people to be together. All that believed we're together. We need to build, build building that road of unity today. We can be done. In the closing moments, may I invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community and also right now, without any hesitation on your part, pick up the telephone and call for the Bible course. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.